If you have your Bibles, you might be opening them to John chapter 18. John chapter 18 will be there uh, in just a minute. Several weeks ago, months ago, I guess at this point, we started a series on face-to-face with Jesus. The idea of those encounters that Jesus had with certain individuals or maybe even groups. Uh, we've mostly been in the book of John and we're going to continue with that. Uh, today, and you may think, well, then we're about over, but we may go back and pick up some other encounters Jesus had uh, that aren't in the book of John. But if you remember several weeks ago, we uh, did uh, Jesus and, and the raising of Lazarus. And that really was a very pivotal moment in the ministry and life of Jesus. Because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious elite, had already been at odds with Jesus and they were already trying to figure out ways to, you know, kind of brush him aside or do him harm or trap him or trick him or whatever, or just get rid of him. But after the raising of Lazarus, that changed everything. And they were determined to kill Jesus. And then we uh, went on from there and we saw where Mary, uh, Lazarus' sister, washed and anointed Jesus' feet. And so today we're going to be looking at, or tonight we're going to be looking at the encounter that Jesus had with Pilate. Earlier, you remember that Caiaphas, the high priest, had said in John chapter 11, you know nothing at all. Do you not realize it is better for one man to die for the people than for the whole nation to perish? Now, he was talking about Jesus dying physically so that the nation of Israel would not perish. Little did he know, this is one of those things where a man can prophesy and not even know he's prophesying. Little did he know that he was actually speaking spiritually. And that certainly one man was going to die for the rest of the world in order to be saved. Jesus has been in the upper room that we've kind of been looking at on Sunday morning. Some of the discussions there. He went to the garden to pray. He'd been betrayed. He'd been arrested. He'd witnessed the denial of Peter. And he now stands trial. And first it was kind of a mock Jewish trial between the high priest Annas and Caiaphas. And now they have taken him to Pilate. Pilate is the Roman governor. And as you know, and as actually will be brought out in the text here... The Jews were allowed to pretty much run their own laws and their own system, provided basically one thing. They could not sentence or carry out capital punishment. And the Jewish rulers could could have thrown Jesus in jail. They had the power to do that. They had the power to have him scourged to a certain point. They could have done a lot of things, but that wasn't good enough for them. They wanted to be rid of him once and for all. So they took him to the one person who had the power to have him executed. And that was Pilate, the Roman governor. Now, interesting, if you you ever watch some of these law shows like Law and Order or back in the day, Perry Mason, uh, Matlock, uh, you know, those good shows, uh, Every now and then, you know, Matlock or Perry Mason would get a witness on the stand. And it became very apparent very quickly that the witness was the one who was being judged, not the defendant. 
that Perry knew something or Matlock knew something and, and so starts grilling, you know, the witness and the witness becomes the accused. And what we have here is something rather unique. It's the judge himself that is put on trial in what is Jesus' trial. It's not Jesus really that's put on trial. It's not all the things that he's done. It's Pilate himself that gets put on trial. Everyone, when they come into contact with Jesus, has a decision to be made. Nobody can have an encounter with Christ and go away and not be changed one way or the other. And the same is true here with Pilate. And first of all, we see, uh, Joe, we see that Pilate had a decision of apathy. If you begin in verse 28 of chapter 18, then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. But now it was early morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. And Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. And this happened so that the words that Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. I think it's interesting that that the Jews bring Jesus and they just expect Pilate to just rubber stamp whatever it is they want. Here's the Roman governor and they bring Jesus and they say, and Pilate says, well, what has this man done? What is the evidence against this man? And they say, well, he must have done something or we wouldn't have brought him to you. You know, in this country, we have supposedly a principle called innocent until proven guilty, right? And you can't just, you know, in the state of Texas, I found out because I served on grand jury duty once, okay? I did not know this about the state of Texas. But in the state of Texas, every person arrested who's going to go to trial must first go before the grand jury. And the district attorney has to prove to the grand jury that there is at least some evidence to say that this person might have committed this crime. Now, this isn't a regular jury where it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt. It's just this person is likely to have or might have committed this crime. Because in our country, we don't just take the word of the police. We don't just take the word of the prosecutor. That because this person is arrested, obviously they're guilty. No, we're going to have a trial and we're going to have evidence and we're going to have to prove that to a certain point. But it's interesting that to me, at least, that the Jews wanted to kind of circumvent that. But getting back to Pilate, Pilate just didn't care. He didn't want anything to do with this at all. He thought it was kind of beneath him. He thought it didn't have anything to do with him. He thought it didn't have anything to do really with Roman law. It was a Jewish thing. And he just had no desire to have anything to do with it. And you know, that's where a large part of our world is today. They know things about Jesus, 
But they don't want anything to do with him. Nothing to do with the church. Nothing to do with religion. A lot of people in our world, you know, we talked this morning about the world being, uh, the world hating us. And there being enemies out there. And we, and there are, we know that, we've seen that. But you know, there are a whole lot of people out there in the world who are just apathetic towards Christ. Just apathetic towards Christianity. It's not that they're violently opposed to Christianity. They just don't care. If you want to be a believer, then you can be a believer. If you want to be a Christian, you can be a Christian. If you want to be a Muslim, you can be a Muslim. If you want to be an atheist, you can be an atheist. It, you do what you want to do, but it just doesn't apply to me or affect my life. And that's kind of where we see Pilate as we begin. They know the problems that they, he brings with him and they want no part of it. Pilate already is beginning to see perhaps, you know, this isn't going to end well. This is a problem and I just really want to get rid of it. And that I think is the same is true with our world around us. They understand, they know what it means to be committed to Christ. They know what it entails. But they don't want anything to do with it. However, once coming into contact with Jesus, once meeting him, this is no longer an option. You can no longer have an attitude of apathy. You cannot just say, well, I'm just, you know, that's just not for me. This is definitely one of those situations where making no decision is a decision. Just to say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. Doesn't mean that he still doesn't call us to follow him. You know, it's kind of like, how many of you ever been, you know, on the dock? And, you, and you're going to get on the boat. And you got one foot on the dock. And you put one foot on the boat. And then the boat starts to drift a little bit. You know, there is a small window where you have to make a decision. You're either going to stay on the dock or you're going to get in the boat. If you make no decision, one is going to be made for you. Am I right? You're going splash into the water. And that is similar to when we meet Jesus, when we come into contact, when we come face to face with Christ. We must make a decision because no decision is making a decision against him. And then we see that Pilate moves from apathy to contempt. Look at verse 32. Or beginning verse 33. Then then Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Pilate replied, Am I a Jew? It was your people and your chief priests who handed over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Oh, you are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and for for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. 
And with this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Pilate was not a Jew. He had no concern for Jews or Jewish things. And you can see he just kind of had a contempt for the whole process. And again, he really wanted nothing to do with it. What's more, he was a Roman, better than the Jews, and didn't need anything the Jews had to offer. And we see this attitude today in the world around us as well. An utter contempt for Christianity. The idea that Christianity or religion in general even is beneath them. They're too smart. They're too educated. They're too enlightened to need religion or to believe in God or whatever the case may be. And they belittle us. And they belittle those who believe in God, belittle those who believe in Christ. And they want nothing to do with us. They see us as ignorant people who use religion as a crutch. The offer to release Barabbas showed a disdain for Jesus as well. And I think that that is, again, this shows. Now, there is a part of me that tries to sympathize with Pilate from time to time. Because during this trial, he tries to wiggle out of his responsibility. You know, first of all, he said, well, this isn't even, this is a Jewish thing. I don't need anything to do with it. And then even with the brief conversation with Jesus, you kind of get the idea that he's kind of already made up his mind. That there's really nothing to the charges. And so he, in his mind, offers them a solution which surely they would not take. Surely they would not prefer Barabbas, who in the other gospel says that he was a murderer. You know, surely he would not, they would not want him instead of this guy, who apparently has done nothing but good. But instead, they do choose Barabbas. We would never show or admit open contempt or disdain for Christ, would we? My guess is if you are, you know, if you're here on Sunday night at church, you are probably not going to openly show your disgust or disdain for Jesus. However, how about the way we live our lives? Can we live our lives in such a way to show contempt For what Christ has done for us. To show contempt for the sacrifice he made. If we come here and we partake of the Lord's Supper. And we fellowship with each other. And we sing praises to God. And then we go out and live our lives against God's will. And doing things that God has commanded us not to do. Or not doing the things he's commanded us to do. In reality is there any difference between us and Pilate? In reality, is there any difference between us and those people out there in the world who openly defy God and have a disdain or contempt for him? There's really not any difference. And so we want to make sure that our lives are in line. The writer of Hebrews talked about those who turned away and said to their loss, they are crucifying the son of God all over again. 
and subjecting him to public disgrace. And he's talking about those who believed and professed their belief, but were living in a totally different way. They're crucifying him over and over again. And they are public, putting him on public disgrace. Our decision was not only to accept Jesus as our savior, but also accept Jesus as Lord over our lives. The third decision we see from Pilate is a decision of fear, I think. Now, it's a little subliminal, but look at chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the robe of purple, Pilate said to them, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify him, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he proclaimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked. Asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And the other thing we see in the lesson of Pilate, and I talk about this a lot of times with young people, and I used to talk about it a lot with parents of young people, and that is we have a concept in our world of the lesser of two evils, right? And we say, well, I may, I, I may be doing this, but at least I'm not doing that. Or as parents, we may say, well, yeah, I know my kid's kind of doing this, but at least they're not doing that. But just think about that statement for a minute. The lesser of two evils. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Whether you're doing something that appears to be more wrong doesn't matter. I think about Reuben. You remember Reuben was the one, I believe, that when uh, all the other brothers wanted to kill Joseph, Reuben said, well, no, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a well. Really? Is that a whole lot better? Here we have Pilate, by his own omission, say, what about Jesus? He's innocent. I find absolutely nothing wrong with him. And yet, what does he do? He has him scourged. 
He has him beaten. The crown of thorns placed upon his head. He allows the guards to hit him over and over again in the face. And he brings him out to the Jews, battered and bloodied. With the idea that maybe this will satisfy them. Not because he was guilty. But because Pilate just wanted to get rid of the whole situation. And of course we see that that did not work. And doing that already has sent Pilate against his conscience. Jacob, Moses, Isaiah... We're all afraid when they came face to face with God, realizing their own unworthiness and the holiness of God. Pilate was confused. But I think Pilate knew that there was something different about Jesus. Something about the conversation said, because it said from that moment on, he wanted to find any way he could to release Jesus. And yet he was not able to. In Acts chapter 24, Paul preached to Felix on righteousness, self-control, and judgment. And it said that Felix was afraid. We've talked about this in our junior high class recently. We looked at the day of Pentecost. Because we were talking about, uh, does emotion play a part in our desire to become a Christian? Does emotion play a part in our decision to be baptized, is what we were talking about. And so we're in Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost and Peter is preaching the, the sermon and he's getting to the invitation. And the invitation is this. Let all of Israel be assured. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Both Lord and Christ. And it says, and they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the other brothers, what must we do? Now, I'll be honest with you. When it says that they were cut to the heart. I don't think they were cut to the heart with gratitude to God. I don't think they were cut to the heart with thanksgiving for what God had done. I don't think they were cut to the heart with some other positive emotion, cut to the heart with a desire to worship. They were cut to the heart with fear. Peter had just told them, you killed the son of God. And they said, whoa. What what do we do? What do we do? And you know, we've talked about this before. Fear is an acceptable emotion. An acceptable initial emotion to accept God. Many of you in here were raised like I was raised in a different day and time. And again, talking to the junior high when I was talking to them about this. When I was baptized, when I decided to become a Christian, it was not so much about realizing God's immense love for me. I I understood that. It was a part of it. 
It was not so much about a desire to be a better person. It was much more about the fact I did not want to go to hell. I didn't want to go to hell. I was scared. I was afraid. Is that okay? Yeah, it's okay. It is okay. Have I moved on from that? Yes. That is not my... That is no longer my, my main motivation in serving God. Because I do understand his love for me. I do understand the sacrifice that he made. I do understand that he wants what's best for me. And so I serve him and I do his will because of that. Now in the back of the, my mind, is that always there? A reminder? Yeah. But you know, fear can also drive us away. Felix, when Paul preached to him, he got scared and he sent Paul away. Pilate is scared. And instead of using that to positively react to Jesus, he uses it negatively. Well, the gospel message is of hope, is a message of hope and love and grace and mercy. There is still the fact that judgment and punishment is there if we fail to listen and obey. Fear is a legitimate emotion if it leads to the right behavior. But it didn't in Pilate's case. And fourthly, we see a decision of avoidance beginning in verse 13. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judge's seat at the place as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is called Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king, but Caesar, the chief priest answered. And finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Ultimately, with all the facts before him, Pilate's fear led him not to faith, but avoidance. Just as Felix sent Paul away, so too Pilate sent Jesus away. Matthew records that interesting scene, right? Where Pilate brings the bowl with water and symbolically washes his hands of the matter. As if that really would work. As if that had anything to do with it. This is free. This is, this is just, this, this is one of the things I like, uh, interesting things in the Bible. When Pilate did that, you remember what the chief priests and the Jews and all of them said? Let his blood be on our hands. And I think that's interesting because when Peter and the other apostles began preaching the gospel, one of the things that the Jews and the Jewish leaders said, you're holding us responsible. You're putting his blood on our hands. And I would have liked to have said, well, that's what you asked for, isn't it? That's what you wanted. But Pilate wanted to avoid the whole problem. But avoiding or ignoring a situation doesn't make it to go away. Adam and Eve, when they sin, what they do? They try to hide from God. Didn't work. When God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, 
What did Jonah do? Got on a boat and thought he could run away from God. Pilate perhaps went to bed that night thinking that the Jesus problem was over. But it was only beginning for the world and for Pilate. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. For it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that the judgment. I love that part in Philippians chapter 2. We, 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 you know, the first part of that where it says, have the same attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself or made himself nothing, became a servant, became a man, died a death, even the death on the cross. And God has highly exalted him. That at his name, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. There is going to come a time when every single person is going to recognize Jesus as Lord. Unfortunately, for the vast majority, that's going to be too late. God has given us our life here. He's given us our opportunity here to recognize and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. All those people who scoff at God. All those people who have nothing, want nothing to do with God. All those who, who, who try to humiliate and persecute God's people. On that day, their knee is going to bow. And their tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, almost all of us in here have already made that decision to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. So my encouragement to us is twofold. One, live our lives in light of the decision. How many times does Paul and the other New Testament writers say something along the lines of live a life worthy of the calling? Live a life worthy of what God has done for us. And the second is share the gospel with others. Share the gospel with others. Share the good news. Let them know. Now, if they decide they don't want to follow Christ, they decide they don't want any part of it, then that's, that's on them. You remember there's a, a phrase in the Old Testament, or it talks about the Old Testament, it talks about uh, the watchman on the wall. And it says if the watchman falls asleep, or the watchman does not sound out the alarm, and the enemy comes, the blood is going to be on the watchman's hands. But if the watchman sounds out the call and nobody heeds it, then the watchman is innocent. As to our responsibility to share the good news with others. If you're here this evening, there's some way we can help or encourage you. We invite you to come down as we stand and as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. 
you can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. Seven five six three eight. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at nine thirty a.m. for Bible class and ten thirty a.m. for worship service. Sunday evening at six p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at six thirty p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.